I'm Shanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Fox creeping forward. He pulls up. 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Makes one, stakes twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nevania, Bialista. Yes, we deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Havanowski on here as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I am feeling hot and bothered today, man. It has been sweltering all day long in my mentions. Have you seen these hot takes? Yes, you have. Yes, this whole thread of your tweet. Asking for hot draft takes is just phenomenal content to take in. I have never, I did little did I imagine that human beings could type the words that they have typed today in my mentions. I already got a hundred responses here, seventy quote tweets of just insane hot takes on the draft, and I think we're gonna we're gonna have some of our own today. This is our super sleeper deep sleeper draft episode here we have covered a lot of prospects um i think we formally did like 50 something 55 56 something like that 56 um just you and i and then um we had planned to do 10 more five more point guards five more centers but personally i got really bored of the five remaining point guards and centers i don't like a lot of these dudes um and so i was like i don't really want to yeah i don't know i don't want to spend 20 minutes on each of these guys but what about uh what about yourself no yeah totally fair i I went through these point guards and centers that that you had kind of sent my way and and some of them are a little intriguing but yeah i mean when you're talking what are going to be backup players at those two roles they are pretty replaceable um, and you're just going to find a lot of them throughout, you know, older college guys or even some that have upside or just so many minimum level guys that could fill the same role in the league or from overseas or anything like that. So I see where you're coming from, but there definitely are a few um, that caught my eye and, and yeah, that we'll, that we'll get through here today. Yeah, there's a few. I think of this group, I had two point guards make it into my top 60 and three centers. Um, but none of them, I think that the highest I got is like 50th on my board out of any of them. So we'll break down some of those. But first, I want to run some of these, these hot takes by you. All right, let's hear them. These are great. Um, okay. Uh, Elijah Hughes is the 12th best player in the draft. Oof. Okay. Um, yeah. This is this is from a real dude who I really respect their opinion, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I he's got a lot of shot creation ability, I guess. Like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, that's buying an upside of a guy. Yeah, 
Uh, and I think shot creation is a big theme in these. The next one, uh, Jemias Ramsey is better than a better prospect than Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, I thought this was the better than Anthony Edwards one because I think that was my favorite tweet. Um, yeah, yeah, that I, was I, the one where I'm like, I think I'm done with this. You're like, I think we need to slow down. Yeah. Um. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, Jemias Ramsey probably has the higher ceiling. I don't know that he gets there, but. You like Jemias, right? I do. I do. Like, I would love him at 35. I like Jemias. I snuck him into my first round today. I can't wow, lie. Okay. I don't know. Uh, yeah. What do you think about um, uh, Desmond Bain at 13? I've seen people saying pretty high for Bain recently. Like, I, I, I had a couple people asking me if, like, the Kings could sh- should consider him at 12 and – I mean, like, the Kings are a team that are looking for upside, obviously, so I don't think so. But I don't know. Like, I guess when you reach, like, Boston 14 or 13 now, I think there's personally, like, guys that just have a much higher upside that when you're talking the teens that you still could really roll the dice for there. Yeah, uh, I get it. I I get it. Uh, RJ Hampton top six. Oh, man. I mean, you got to buy the shooting turnaround, right? Oh, that's what's crazy is, like, that's not even – I mean, Sam Vecini is, is a legend in the game, and he's basically right there. Right. Uh, no, I, I don't I don't know that I can do it. I mean, like, would you be happy with RJ at 12? Personally, no. I think I'd talk myself into it, but I wouldn't either. This one from our friend Tim Maxwell, LaMelo will be far less successful than Lonzo in the NBA. Hmm. I don't think that's crazy because I think that Lonzo can fit a role in the NBA and LaMelo is, I struggle to see if he does not become this engine, at least even on a secondary level, then I I could see how his role really diminishes and becomes questionable. This one from multiple people, including Kevin Fippen of the Kings Herald, Jalen Smith as the best center in the draft. Oh man. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, the defending in space, I, I really worry about there. Uh, I'm, I'm going on Yeka. I like okay. it. I like it, though. One more for now, uh, and we can revisit these at some point. This one I think you might actually kind of like. Tyler Bay over Obi Toppin. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, Man. Yeah, I, I mean, you're really – it's hard to deny, like, the offensive skill set of Toppin is the only thing. But, yeah, I don't know. You're really rolling the dice on one guy that can only play defense, one guy that can only play offense, and offense is probably more valuable as much as it pains me to say. I saw one from PD Webb that said Aaron Neesmith's not a top-five shooter in the draft. And as I thought about it, I was like, man, there's so many good shooters in this draft. There are. That's I don't even I don't think that's like a hot take even really I think that's like I mean I, I think he's being pretty reasonable about that and not you know presenting that as as any sort of heat factor like you could reasonably say that um, especially with the sample size yeah and that was one of the things that I've realized like going deeper into this draft is part of the reason it's looked at as a deep draft is because there is so much shooting and you know if you're a good shooter it makes you that much more valuable in the modern NBA yeah um so think about your hottest takes I, I don't I didn't see a 
I didn't see a comment from you, and I'm gonna by the end of this episode, I'm gonna get one out of you. But uh, yeah. for now, let's start with um, the prospects that we reviewed for today's episode. Give me your talk to me about your your first guy, your top guy out of anyone remaining of your of your sleepers here. Well. I think that my top guy, I mean, like Peyton Pritchard's the obvious choice of guys that we haven't talked about, right? A ridiculous scorer, um, but underwhelming athlete. I, I feel like there's some comparable guys that you could point to um, in, that we've talked about as well here. But I'm really interested in, in Tyshawn Alexander. I think that if you get him on a team that has a wing initiator that is a primary playmaker for the team, that he can be a really good 3 and D combo guard. Like, he's 6'3", I think, with a – I didn't see an official wingspan, but it definitely looks like a positive wingspan that he's working with to me. Um, he's a really good three-point shooter, 39.9% on 6.5 attempts a game in his junior year. Um and he, he's really quick laterally. He doesn't have much self-creation he's working with, but I think he's somewhat capable if he does need to put the ball on the floor. Um, he's a poor finisher, but again, like I, I think that if he's primarily functioning off the ball, I think that he's a solid three-point shooter that is just like an extremely smart defender, and I think guarding ones and twos and knocking down threes could could land you like in an okay spot in the league. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so you were going off that group of five point guards and the group of five centers of that of those ten players. Um, Tyshawn Alexander is my favorite as well. Oh, all right. Yeah, he's the guy right now. He's like he he's fiftieth on my board. Um, no, I I really like I really like him. I like that there is the baseline of defense, like where you can feel confident that he's a good defender because a lot of the guards in the second round, you're almost going into the draft like this guy. Okay, so like this guy's going to be a disaster on defense. And then where can we go from there? Um, like Pritchard in particular, um, and if it's okay with you, this is going to be a less formal episode, at least from my perspective on yeah, how totally I – Okay, like for me, like Pritchard is just like – a dumpster fire on defense. Like he's not going to be able to defend anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like, I like some of the offensive tools, but it's almost like he can't be on the floor really. So I don't really care how good he is a, of a shooter. And I don't really love him as a shooter, how good he is as a passer. I don't really love him as a passer, but there's like a really nice baseline here of Alexander. Yeah. Like I don't think he can guard threes. He definitely can't guard fours, but I'd feel pretty comfortable with him playing NBA defense. Yeah, same here. I really like him. I, I want to go back to Peyton Pritchard. You don't you don't like the three that he's working with? Because that's like the one thing with this guy. No, I don't. Um, he's a really inconsistent shooter. Um, if you – I think that's – you know, go back one year as a junior, you know, shot 32% uh, from three. It's been up and down, up and down. Um, no, it's funny. I actually just listened to uh, the Prep to Pro podcast episode of that earlier today, and they were just talking about this. Um, they got some mailbag question about, like, who is the best shooter that you don't believe is a good shooter? Uh, you know, who, who's putting up the best numbers of the guys that you don't think is a good shooter? And they put, you know, 
Pritchard's in the mix. I don't think he was like the first guy, but he might have been the first guy. Um, just if you consider like size and athleticism and separation in the NBA, uh, you know, I don't think he's got an amazing form. I don't think he's been an amazing shooter across games. Um, some games it's just not there. And then if you kind of allow, like, you know, extrapolate that out to better defenders, um, his athleticism being more of a problem. I don't think he's going to have as much space to shoot the line moving back. I don't think he was ever like a rangy guy. Like a, I, I, I wonder, I haven't looked at his numbers from, you know, when they do that, when they carve it out to three point NBA yeah. three point range, but I would guess it's not great. Yeah. And, and part of my hesitation with him is that I didn't think that he was a good enough playmaker to, warrant the ball being in his hands when like his primary skill right now is probably shooting off the dribble and like you're saying I don't know that he's creating space at the next level um I want to ask you is is Marcus Howard a guy that interests you like he's a horrible defender but I think that he's like an absolutely elite three-point shooter he's a horrible defender because he's five for eleven um, but yeah, I mean, 10.1 attempts per game, knocked down 41% of them, got to the free throw line pretty well, 8.6 attempts a game. Um, he, he's a poor finisher because of the size that he's working with and he's not a great passer, but I mean, like for a guy that, you know, could he just come in and just be running off screens and absolutely knocking down some, some crazy shots? Like, I mean, he's going to be a poor defender, but is there like a, you know, third string point guard like Wood? would Marcus Howard be a better Yogi Ferrell sort of thing, you know? Isaiah Thomas, obvious obvious comp, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess it is. I just, it's tough because those types of guys, they just feel like lightning striking. Like, Isaiah was a super late second-round pick, and he's this dude that probably it shouldn't have worked in the NBA He's just such a, a little dude, and he just happened to be that sort of one-in-a-million guy that had the fight and the, the talent and the skill to make it work. Um, I don't see it with uh, Howard. Uh, I, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I dismissed him pretty quick. I was trying to get through, you know, I was looking at like 15, 20 more guys this week, and I'm like, look, I, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to, I'm going to spend my time elsewhere reading about other players and watching film on other players, but but tell me more about what you saw from him. No, yeah, it's really just the shooting that you're working with, and then I thought that he was a a decent athlete in regards to his his speed and, and quickness off the dribble. So, but again, like he wasn't creating a great amount of space at that level, and and when there were some bigger defenders on him, you definitely saw moments of him struggling there, but. Yeah, I mean, I really buy the shooting that he's got. I mean, to be knocking down, again, 41% of them on 10 a game and almost 85% from the free throw line, and then also using his body to get to the to the foul line, which I don't know how great that'll be because he also was a poor finisher. It's almost like, you know, if a team knows to just kind of let him go um, or not overreact to a little bit of his shiftiness that, yeah, I think that that could become an issue for him, but I think there's a spot where he's a little bit of a microwave guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to, you know, at this point, like, are you thinking about like a Trey Burke, you know, that doesn't really make it in the league very long, has like three years where he's an okay backup point guard, I guess, or something like that. 
Well, it's interesting. Like Isaiah, he was he averaged over six assists a game in Washington. And again, like I haven't watched much of Howard, but Howard's not an assist guy either. So like, is he an off-ball five ten dude? Right, and this is the issue, right? I, I think that he can be off ball offensively though and um run through screens and and shoot that way and that's where a little bit of the intrigue is with him so yeah so is he like in your top 60 i i don't know it's hard for like an absolute shooter like this but he he probably is not um i I don't have exactly 60 laid out i mean he's after 50 um but yeah i mean i'd take him Hmm. No, I'd probably actually take like a Yamandard Ashton Higgins over him, actually. Okay, this is interesting. So tell me your thoughts on on Yamadar, because I was just not vibing with Yamadar. Like I just figured at a certain point I'm like, you know, there's some guys that have value just because they're stashable. Yep. And I think that might be him, Dar. Yeah, I think that's it, too. I, I mean, you know what? He's a 19-year-old that plays overseas. And is this, like, really high-energy defender that's picking up guys full court? But sometimes he does look really out of control. And I'm like, man, is is this even good defense at times? Or is he just kind of all over the place? And it looks like he's impacting everything. But most of the times I, I did think that he did a good job, especially like fighting through screens and he had a good defensive understanding. So there's something there's a, there's some potential to work with there, even though like the offense was pretty bad, to say the least. Right. Um, 26 percent from three and 81 percent from the free throw line. This is over 32 games um, that he played. And yeah, I mean, so uh, it's just someone with some sort of upside if the offense works out because the idea is that he's a plus defender. Um, but yeah, I mean, the main value is the stashing because then I, right after Madar, I went on to Ashton Hagen's sophomore year at uh, Kentucky and I instantly thought Hagen's was a better prospect, but you know, I could see 49 for Philadelphia 58 for Philadelphia, 52 for Sacramento. Like, if you actually just can't roster one of these guys, that's where, like, a Yamadar makes sense, you know? Yeah, it does. Um, and uh, and Higgins is a defense-first guy as well, right? Right, he is. Yeah, it's pretty much the exact same thing there. I think that he did a better job jumping in passing lanes and is a better passer than Madar's working with. And also has just a very funky three-point shot. But, yeah, they're, they're both defensive first guys, and I just liked Higgins a little bit better there, jumping in passing lanes. And, yeah, I mean, just saw him do it a bit against a little bit better uh, competition. Yeah. Um, to, like, wrap up the point guard position for myself, I think, you know, Peyton Pritchard, he's going to end up in my top 60, but, like, just barely, and I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm going to – wish he wasn't in my top 60 and I might even between now and and draft day when we release our final final rankings and boy we're leaving it late but when we do that um I'm gonna try I'm gonna legit try to find guys that I like better than Peyton Pritchard between now and then and and bump them out but Peyton Pritchard or Sam Merrill 
Oh, God, Peyton Pritchard. Sam Merrill is nowhere near my top 60. There, okay, okay. There's no chance he's getting it. He's already <laughs> completely scratched off. Got it. Okay, who else do you want to throw in here? Speaking of hot takes, like one of my hot takes today is that I don't think Sam Merrill is like top 100. Wow. Like wow. I, I I have nothing. I have nothing Sam Merrill. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, okay. We'll see. I guess. I. Yeah. I mean, the athleticism is obviously a concern. I think that he's going to be able to pick some spots and be all right. He's 75 years old today. <laughs> um, Peyton Pritchard is like, I think, is it crazy to say, okay, so I, I, just to bring the point guard conversation in the second round back to Malachi Flynn, because I think he's kind of like the perfect second round point guard in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. is, it, I, is it fair to say like Cassius Winston is like kind of the poor man's Malachi Flynn? Yeah. And then, and then, like, Peyton Pritchard is, like, the poor man's Cassius Winston. Hmm. I guess, yeah. I know I'm talking nonsense. Yeah, no, that's probably fair. And then you, like, sprinkled in there have these upside guys of, like, a Nico Mannion and, um, who's the Kansas, Devon Dotson. I, I'm just thinking, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, in terms of, like, four-year, well-rounded offensive point guards that Mm -hmm. might be a disaster on defense from day one. Um, Where, like, Flynn is, like, the best version of that, and then Cassius Winston's, like, kind of a middling version of that, and Mm -hmm. Peyton Pritchard's, like, the low-end version of that. I'm with you. And then I think I throw Riller at the very top of that list. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, I have him in my first, and I don't really have him as a point guard. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Like, I have like the I have Bain and Riller in the first round as like the four year senior shooting guards. Yeah. Um. Okay. Cool. So I'm not crazy on that. I don't think. And then the other, the top point guard of the rest of this this group that we discussed. Uh, for me again, just to circle back to it, Tyshawn Alexander, I think has legit. Defensive upside, uh, which is exciting and, and legit, uh, shooting acumen. And, you know, you put that together and I, I actually do think that there's an outside chance he becomes an NBA player. I don't think any of these guys are going to be impactful, but, um, I would, you know, how would you feel for the Kings if pick 52 was, was Tyshawn Alexander? 52? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm all for it. If you get another guy, that is a point guard at, at 35, then it probably doesn't make much sense. And I think there's a chance that Sacramento probably just sells 52 with the amount of picks they have. But, like, in regards to the value of Tyshawn Alexander, 52, I think that's great. And what about 43? 43, um, you know, there's probably – hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, if you have your chance at a – Nico Mannion or Devon Dotson, I'm taking either of them over Tyshawn Alexander, I think. Yeah, Mannion, Dotson, quickly, if you call him a, yeah. a point guard, which he's not really. I mean, really. there's just so many, like, upside guys for Sacramento that I would swing on. You know, like, if your guy, Jay Scrub, is there. Or... Oh, yeah, I snuck him into the first round today, I'll tell you that. Wow, well. wow. 
That's my skating college. That's my skating hot take. Jay Scrub is thirty on my board. Oh shit. Okay. Okay. Before we tra- before we go into uh, transfer into uh, the center talk, let me get some more hot takes out here. Uh, this one from Tony Zotaris of the Kings Herald. Tyrell Terry over Lamelo Ball. Oh man. Oh man. See, no. So I think that Lamelo has like legitimate good defender upside with, with the length that he has. Lonzo had defensive concerns, not the same level though. Um, in, in college, like I, I think there is a good defender somewhere in Lamelo Ball, and there's just no chance for Terry. And not to mention, like uh, I mean, the playmaking gap is ridiculous. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Malachi Flynn ends up the best player in this yeah, game. Yeah, I mean... I mean, do I really need to respond to this one? I'm not. This no, one, from, I mean, this is a horrible <laughs> draft, I guess, you know. This one from uh, Drake Yuyu from the uh, formerly of the Stockton Kings. Assistant, this is an assistant general manager of a G League team recently, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaden McDaniels is the most talented player in the draft. Is that one that... I mean, it is it is crazy, but like talent wise, I think he's pretty obviously like top ten. I mean, right? yeah, I'm asking you. I don't think so. some of these. I don't think you're crazy at all. I don't think that one's super spot. Like, I could see that. I, I could see that because his issue, a lot of it seems to be mental and actually using that talent properly, right? Because what yeah. is he? He's an absolutely huge pull-up smooth 610 you know being that level of pull-up shooter and having that shiftiness to his game and handle and things like that like I mean the talent is is very real with him it's tough because of guys like LaMelo where it's it's hard to it's hard to argue he's not super talented even guys like Edwards and Wiseman but yeah I don't think it's like a crazy take yeah Uh, this one I loved and I think is really smart and might be correct. Uh, this one actually is a three-parter. Um, the first two I just think are correct. I don't even want to discuss it. Sadiq Bey, uh, his best role is a small ball center. That's part one. Uh, part two, Jay Scrub is being projected too low. I think that's just correct. And number three, 
Dotson is nearly as good as Kyra Lewis, but 20 picks later. Wow. Well, Dotson obviously doesn't have the shooting resume, um, but I, I really like Dotson. I, I think that he's a guy that, you know, Sacramento should totally consider at 43. I think he's quietly a, a pretty high upside, like, backup point guard. Um with his really good athleticism there, but a small ball five for Sadiq Bay is really interesting. Like I, the more I watch a Bay, like he's just such a horrible athlete when it comes to any sort of quickness or anything like that. Um, that like, he's really probably a four in the league five. I, I mean, yeah. If, if PJ Tucker is, is the opposing five, I guess, you know, yeah, I don't think that's crazy. I, I actually love the uh, Devon Dotson is basically as good as, as Kyra, Kira Lewis, but 20 picks later. Like, I, th- I think the point is there that you could pass on Lewis, say you're the Kings, pass on Lewis at 12, get Dotson at 35, and really not lose much. Right. I don't think that's crazy. I don't, I don't think that's all too crazy, yeah. All right, um, last one for right now. It's going to lead into our center segment here. Uh, Udoka Azubuke is going to be a starting center in the NBA. Okay, so Azubuke is a guy that I I actually put first among the remaining centers that we had. We had Azubuke, Vernon Carey Jr., Reggie Perry, Caleb Wesson, and Nick Richards. I put Azubuke at the top of the list. But Azubuki to me is like such a specialist because he's this absolute just ginormous guy, seven foot, seven seven wingspan, a ridiculous athlete for being that freaking big. Um, I think that if if you need somebody to take care of a post up player, which I don't know how often you actually deal with this in the league is the thing, but like you, you know, does does Toronto in the, you know, he's probably not there at pick 59, right? He He's probably gone way sooner. But a team like that that's dealing with a Joel Embiid is the main guy I can think of. Like, he can go out there and, I think, help in post-defense against a guy that's just back to the basket. And that's where he just is extremely useful. But after that, I don't know. Like, uh, he rolls hard and he's a good rebounder. But if he's asked to defend in space... He's going to be screwed. Um, is he really like dominant in the post against other NBA players? I don't. Th- I mean, he's not dominant. You know, is there? Is he good enough that you're actually throwing the ball down there to him? If there's a switch, I think he could take advantage of it, sort of thing. But I mean, he's he's just too old school of a player. But I think that there's like a niche for him. Yeah, I've seen people. By the way, the ultimate hot take. Is was even before today. You, your buddy that said as a bouquet number one overall. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I'm still not over this. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen people discuss as a bouquet in terms of uh, Boban, right? Yeah. Definitely. Like eight minutes a game, very situationally used to. Right, to to basically quell, like, that matchup for the time that you need that matchup to be slowed down. Um, and, and he's, like, a really surprisingly 
good jumper in athlete in that regard. Yeah, and I should just yeah, I think you maybe gave some of the measurements, but yeah, seven feet, seven seven wingspan, two hundred and seventy pounds. It's a big lad. Uh, it's a very big lad. I know he's had some injury concerns as well, so mm-hmm. I guess you got to bake that into it. And he is just a complete zero shooter. Even Boban. Uh, I mean, the free throw line too. Yeah, forty four percent from the free throw line. Even Boban has like weird shooting upside from, like, 10 feet. Yeah. Uh, as a book, it is not. Um, absolute zero, like, outside of five feet, three feet. Um, yeah. I think yeah. his touch is fine, like, at the, literally at the basket. But but uh, he's giving you absolutely no jumper. No, there's nothing there. I think that as a role man in a dunker spot, he can do okay. And, again, if there's a switch, like, he can seal a guy and catch and finish. He's got a, um, some offensive rebounds in him. So I think there's a niche in, like, a center hockey rotation where he's, like, the third big man and situationally gets out there. Yeah, even third big man, is, it's it's more like fourth or fifth, um, in my opinion. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, so he was one of the three big men that, from this group that made it into my top 60. And I guess, like, that niche player, I guess, is worth a draft pick. But, yeah, I mean, I could totally see him going undrafted. Um, He's, like, 53, and I don't love him there. I I don't know. Like, it's going to take the right fit to even want to use a second rounder on him. Um, you, you feel confident he'll be drafted? I mean, I don't think that's a bad to say 59 for the Raptors. I don't think that's crazy at all. I don't know. I, I mean, I've seen him a little bit up there in some projections, but I mean, yeah, once you're reaching this second round, I don't know. I, I guess it's not crazy to think that he could be there at 59 or, you know, 55 for Brooklyn or something like that. I I don't know. I, I guess I don't feel comfortable saying it's a lock he's drafted now. Do you want him for the Kings at 52? Um, no, no. I think that you go for upside guys, but like, I don't know. One of the worst things with the Kings is rim protection. And I, I don't know. He's going to get pulled out enough that I, I don't even buy him being like a high level rim protector, you know? Right. And he's got, he's giving you nothing in terms of, I mean, lateral quickness on the perimeter. Like, like he he does move pretty well for his size, but it's still absolutely cooking time. Um, any perimeter player in the NBA. Yeah, is Vernon Carey in that group? It's funny. I have him. He's the he was the center of this group that I preferred the most, and I just have him one spot ahead of Asbuke, and it's it's not meaningful to me. He's right there at fifty two, and the Kings pick at fifty two, but I'm still like. I don't really want him at 52. Yeah. I, I mean, he just, you know, similarly to Azubuki, I just don't buy his it's, – it's so many post-ups, right? He had 156 field goal att- po- attempts from the post-up this year, 225 total possessions. Just absolutely ridiculous. 237 for Isaiah Stewart, another guy. But, you know, Isaiah Stewart, like – you buy as a rim runner and maybe buy the shot. Vernon Carey, like, I guess there's potential as a three-point shooter. I don't know 
I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that his offensive game fits great with the modern NBA. He had an okay touch to him around the basket, um, and, and he's kind of agile in the open court, so I think he's an okay rim runner. But, yeah, I, I didn't think that he was a good enough offensive player for what I thought was, like, some pretty bad defense from him. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. The thing about Kerry that I do like, and it's the, it's like the only thing that I really like about some of these big guys. Same thing with, with Isaiah Stewart, who have actually moved down to 51. Wow. Um, yeah. At least Stewart and Kerry are, are young dudes. Like, at least they're, you know, 19 years old and, and, you know, not really turning 20 for at least mid-season, you know. Um, Carey, he, he weighed in at 270. That was, like, his listed weight at Duke. And I believe he's down to 250 already, like, through, via the, the combine. Um, so at least, like, you see, like, the moldability. You see, like, this guy is just um, – he's still going to be, go, you know, going through a lot of changes, and he still can change not only his body, but probably a lot of his tendencies as well. Um, obviously, he's, like, this great – offensive post guy but yeah does that matter I don't know he's also like really strong not only is he just heavy he's really strong um not a lot not a great length on him just a seven foot wingspan but you know I don't know I I, there is some like the most basic of shooting upside with I think Stewart and Carey um and, I mean, we're talking mid-range at this point, maybe the occasional corner three, but I do – I think I like those guys a lot better than as a bouquet, uh, who is, by the way, um, 21, so like two years older than those guys. Yeah, I'm probably the same. I'm kind of just uninspired by really all of them. And, and the other name I'll, I'll kind of throw in there, you know, another major basketball school and in, – in, Went just finished his junior year at uh, Kentucky there. Nick Richards, he was a freshman with Marvin Bagley, actually. Um, but I, I think that he just is a really with, good – With Bagley? With Bagley, yeah. At Kentucky? Oh, I'm sorry, at Duke. Yeah, oh. I misspoke there. Yeah, Nick Richards from Duke. Is he? Uh, okay. Am I backwards here? Am I going – What? which one of us is tripping right now? No, I think Richards is from Kentucky. Yeah. Okay, so, all right. Oh, what was he a freshman with Fox? Are you are you mixing up? Uh, I totally mixed it up. Yeah, Bagley yeah. and Fox. Okay. Right, no, gotcha. and he wasn't a freshman with Fox. I just for some reason saw Kentucky and then looked up the year that. Yeah, no, so that's backwards. Anyways, he was a freshman the same year as Marvin Bagley, not on the same team as Marvin Bagley. Um. So, yes, junior now, and I think that, you know, he reminded me of Willie Cauley-Stein, but actually willing to protect the rim. He swatted a bit too, a bit too much. And swatted a bit, she said. I know. I just love so, it. <laughs> um, he swatted a bit too much, um, but, yeah, I think that he had some pretty good defensive positioning for most times, and, yeah, seven foot with a seven four wingspan. 64% uh, at the rim, or from the field, excuse me. Yeah, I think there's potential at, with a rim-running five here. They could even play some 
some defense. And yeah, I mean, there's projectability in his shot. And yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of an upside where if this guy did become a three point shooter, which you see like an okay mid range and 75% from the free throw line that you have something in him, in him here. Boy, I, uh, I did not see any of this, man. I, I was actually like really, really sure you were going to say someone else. Um, I'll be legit with you. Like I, I watched a little bit of Nate Richards and I'm like, cut the tape. I don't want to yeah. watch this anymore. He was just like such another like blah big man. I didn't see anything special at all. Um, I was so sure that you were going to say Caleb Wesson. Okay. So I actually really like the offensive game of Caleb Weston because I value passing in big men so much. And I think it's so important um, for bigs right now. But at times I wondered if he was actually a five, if he was a four. Well, how's that 43% three-point shooting looking for you? Right. So this is like the most valuable thing he's working with, right? He's a a pick-and-pop guy, and then the the passing's valuable, but – that uh, I like he's not a role man at the same time right like because he was a poor finisher and this is where I kind of was like okay well then how valuable is the passing really if like what's the point of a short roll decision making if he's not even a threat to roll fully to the rim and then defensively I could I could buy the upside of Wesson though because I thought that defensively he was he was always late to the spot, but he looked like he knew where he was supposed to be going. It just came to him a little late. So I think that there like could be something there. So his offensive game is intriguing to me, but like being such a horrible finisher totally threw me off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have Weston like just hanging on by a thread in my 60 and I don't even like it again. Like, I mean, after 50 or I, I just want to – like 50 I, – I don't know if I'm going to get 60 guys that I feel good about um, even saying should be drafted, and that's that's challenging when there's 60 draft picks. The problem with this draft is, like, we're just missing five great guys. Like, put five, like, yeah. top five picks at the top of this draft, and then everything's perfect. And then Caleb Wesson's not in my top 60, and I don't have to worry about it. Reggie Perry's not in my top 60. Uh Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I I didn't like uh, Richards. I didn't really like Wesson. That at least Wesson has a seven three wingspan. Um, so like I think at least in theory he could play center. Where like Perry concerned me in terms of playing center due to the lack of wingspan as well. Who just a, a flat seven foot wingspan and no real stretch. Yeah, like there's potential as a three-point shooter that you're working with, I guess, but really he's he's a dunker, um, and, and he sits well in that dunker spot and, and will get some nice putbacks and has okay positioning for, for his boards as well. Um, there was a lot of interesting film, actually, of him with Cade Cunningham, and I would be lying if I didn't just end up watching a lot of Cade. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for a guy that – is absolutely horrible defending the pick and roll. Like, I I don't know. I guess I should say there were moments where teams tried to just attack him that way, and he did okay in holding his own. But I I think he's a really poor decision maker on the offensive end, and then he's just going to get absolutely abused in space on defense. I mean, I'm with you here. Like, after you hit 
50 or a little bit into 50, it, it gets it gets pretty rough. Yeah. Um, of all the centers we've talked about, just to wrap up here on centers, I mean, anyone that you would want for the Kings at all, even to be drafted, like, I mean, like, that we talked about today at all, anyone? No. I don't think so. I, I, of the centers? No. I mean, I, yeah. I like, yeah, I don't know. I've talked myself into Nick Richards a tiny bit, but there's no way he should be 52. Yeah. Um, like the guys we talked about before, like Oturo and Najee? 1,000 times better. Uh, 1,000 times better, absolutely. Like, I'm fine with them. I'm, I mean, I'd be filled with them at 52, fine with them at 43. Are you yeah. with me there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I like Tillman in that as well. I mean, I, I like the other guys better because Tillman's older, but yeah, I mean, I think those guys are just in a different tier. Yeah, it's funny. I have Tillman in that tier, but I didn't uh, mention it. I, know, I thought you had Tillman like way higher. No, I, no, I think that he belongs about there. I, I've gotten a little higher on Najee the more I've thought about him too. Interesting. I, Interesting. I don't know how much different he is than Precious. All right, this is going to lead us into another segment of uh, hot takes here. And I hope you're cooking yours up because I'm going to get oh, man. that I'm hot take out of you before the end of it. Uh, Zeke Naji, top six in this class. Oh, man. I mean, any big man, top six is rough. Like, I struggle to put Onyeka top six, even though I absolutely love him. Um, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I, I think that he's comparable to Precious because they co- could both just be really switchable fives, which I think is – is valuable in a low usage offensive role, but you know, top six talent. I don't know. Yeah, I like him though. How, He's been rising. What do you tell me more about? Like, what? How high is he getting for you, and 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 why? He's still probably sitting in the late second. I mean, early second round, or I guess there's some spots that you could consider him in the late first. But I, I do think there's a lot of value in these fives that simultaneously protect the rim and you feel comfortable with them switching on to some of the quicker wings and maybe even stealing some minutes at guards. Like I think there's just a few teams that are very switch heavy schemes that those type of players are extremely valuable for, for working that in. And yeah, I think that Najee fits that pretty well. Same as precious and precious just probably is, is the better athlete and that's what gives him the edge there. But yeah, I just think there's a lot of value in, in in switchable fives that simultaneously protect the rim. Yeah, this one is is interesting. Going off what we just discussed, Caleb Wesson is a first round talent. Tough to evaluate because his body changed so much from season to season, but the skill level and IQ are there. He'll need to continue improving his body and athleticism, but if he can guard in space at all, he's a starting center. Well, the last thing is like a huge asterisk, but I, I think that there's there is like a top thirty player in this draft in Caleb Wesson. Again, like I think that he understands the rotations. He's just a little late to them. And, you know, this is something I'll learn more with more experience of doing this, but that seems like fixable, you know, like he understands it, it's just gotta come to him a little bit quicker. That's something that I think could happen. And yeah, I mean the spacing that he has is really valuable and, and again I thought that he was a genuinely impressive passer. Um, it, it's just that, yeah, that, that finishing really hangs me up there and, and makes me think that the passing might not be as valuable as it could be. Paul Reed is a top five player in this draft. 
Yeah, you know, I've had trouble coming around to Paul Reed fitting with the Precious and Najee sort of thing where he's supposed to be this, um, you know, similarly switchable guy that, that does both protect the rim and be able to switch on the guards. And I just don't know that he is quite that and also not a great rim protector on offense. Like, I just think he's like a tier below that that same type of player. This is basically what my original hot take was, but Precious Achua is not a first-round pick. I've started to think that it's less crazy. I think the thing is, though, that there's teams that just need big men, and it's not bad to spend, you know, a a 20s pick on Precious. Yeah, I mean, I... I just think he's a five. Like, if you're casting him as a four, I think that's the whole issue. I, I obviously agree with this take, so I don't think, yeah, yeah, I love it. I love this take. Um, and this is, like, a, the last good center one I saw here. Isaiah Stewart is not a top 70 prospect. 70, wow. I mean, yeah, his that argument would be that his game is outdated as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, he has some shooting projection to him and he does really have good effort and, and agility and explosiveness for that size where I think he's at least like a rim running. Okay. Rim protector. 70, 70 is a little much for me. I'm fine with him as a second rounder though. All right. So uh, to transition into our next segment here where I don't think you did any additional wings or forwards, but I did. And I found two names to be pretty interesting. Um, okay. Uh, one of these hot takes is just too—it's outrageous, and I can't—I can't read it. I can't give give life to this take by reading it out loud. It's just—it's I can't even. <laughs> it made me turn off my phone, um, so I'm not going to read it. But that was that was about Jalen Harris. Um, there's another one here about Jalen Harris that I think is actually super reasonable. Um, let me find it here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jalen Harris is easily a first round value. I mean, yeah, so we, we did get a request. I should find the name here to touch on, on Jalen Harris at some point here. This is from Tyler Anderson. Yeah. Plays in Nevada. And I think that, I, I think there's an argument that, like he's on the level of Peyton Pritchard, you know what I mean? Like 21 points a game, six and a half rebounds, four assists on 44% from the field, 36% from three, 82% from the free throw line. And he was like an impressive athlete. And again, six, five compared to the shorter Peyton Pritchard. Like he really was a three level scorer that I think, I think he should be drafted. Yeah, so, okay, so we're going to wrap up this episode with me, I guess, really just talking about Jalen Harris because I saw this dude's DM. He sent me the same DM, and he was like, hey, man, can you talk about Jalen Harris in your scouting reports before the draft? And I was like, what is this? I, I don't. I was like, who is this dude? Who is Jalen Harris? Is this, like, Jalen Harris's cousin just trying to get his, like, stock up, someone you did ask him. that. You did. Ask I, I legit texted you. I'm like, is this Jalen Harris's cousin? <laughs> uh, no, Jalen Harris is legit. Uh, I he has been like catching fire. Um, 
in people's mocks, in people's big boards. I read a bunch of interesting breakdowns of him, um, and I get it, man. I, I, as soon as I started watching the tape, I was like, holy hell, this guy is legit. I love his game. I love the self-creation, and I, it's the same stuff. It's the same juice that has us really high on Jemias Ramsey, really high on Jay Scrub. You know, it, it has me turning the corner on Elijah Hughes, on these guys that can be creators, can actually uh, get to their own shot and hit their own shot. They're this combination of the, the self-creation and the shot-making, difficult shot-making. I mean, he's legit. Like, I mean, I, I don't even – if I think if he had been – talked about like Grant Riller, I would have trouble distinguishing them really. If he had the, you know, the Grant Riller hype, if he had the Desmond Bain hype, I would have trouble telling you why he shouldn't be on that level. You mentioned the 6'5 as well. I have not seen an official wingspan. It's a little bit worrisome. Uh, 195. But I mean, an NBA body, like I mean, you know, I don't want to go crazy here, but like, you know, as mu- just as much as, like, a, a Jemias Ramsey, not quite, like, a J-Scrub level of uh, physical profile, but I think, like, a passable NBA body. I think, you you know, you see a lot more upside in his physical attributes than a Peyton Pritchard, than a Cassius Stanley type of guy who is just scaring you to death because he's six feet nothing. Um, and you go into the synergy and you look through this and you're like, okay, I mean, it's a little bit Grant Riller-ish. That's all I'm saying. Like 88th percentile pick-and-roll ball handler, 90th percentile in isolation on a lot of possessions. Uh, 81st in transition, 77th handoff, um, you know, 100th percentile in post-up on on a small sample size, admittedly. But stuff like that, like the spot-up is not quite there. I mean, I think that's probably what separates him from – Riller and Bain, and that's ultimately probably what separates him from Riller and Bain in my mind as these like com- pretty complete uh, players that can actually uh, like actually get a bucket. Like at the end of the day, how many players in this draft can go get you a bucket? I don't know. It's not a lot. Um, so 36% from three on six attempts per game, 82% from the free throw line. I think the form could be tightened up a little bit and, and he could be totally legitimate. Uh, you know, six and a half boards, four assists, 22 points a game, as you mentioned. I'm like pretty high. I'm pretty high on, uh, Jalen Harris. I'll be honest with you. He's in my top 40. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely interested by the film that I saw of him. And I think that you kind of touched on it on the spot ups is probably one of the, big differences between him and like Grant Riller. Like I, I think I feel a little bit better about Riller's potential to, to play off the ball. But ultimately I think if you're breathing in either one of these guys, it is kind of to be that creator. Um, I, I probably like Riller's change of pace and like first step a little bit more, but I think I'm with you. Like if, if I would have came into it thinking that uh, Jalen Harris was clearly the better prospect, like you're saying, if he had all the hype from, just being higher on mocks and NBA Twitter and things like that. Like I, I think that I totally could see a world where I would have thought that Jalen Harris was a better player than um, 
than than Grant Riller. And, and like I'm very interested in, in Grant, like you're saying, uh, late first. I, I don't think it's crazy for him. Um, yeah, man, I guess I'm not too far off with you here. I think like, I mean, is it a guy that you consider for Sacramento or I probably know because again, I'm looking for upside guys, but what do you think? Say like 43, right? Yeah. I mean, what if you is could get him at 52, I guess. Like what is an upside guy at, at 53? Honestly. At a, like, at 43 there. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, if you're talking a backup creator, like if you can give me Dotson over him. Okay, I mean. But, yeah, I mean, after that, like you, you do get to this Peyton Pritchard or Jalen Harris and, and like, yeah, I mean, when you're in that sort of range, I guess, like, yeah, I mean, if you need a backup point guard or third string point guard, like, I, I, I don't hate it. So I have Dotson, you know, above 40. Three, like so, I have him in my forty-three. I have like you know quickly in my forty-three. I mean, I there's just I think he's just so firmly in that forty-three. Like, there's definitely ways the board can break where there's more upside, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, I don't I I don't know who's like a meaningfully better upside like. Grant Riller, like, don't we still think of him as like a guy with upside, like Bain? Like, I know they're, I know they're not going to grow that much, but yeah, it's it's in the translation, and like, you know, I I know that Riller's a better spot up guy, but just to throw this out there, um, you know, Riller shot thirty six percent on four attempts per game, and and Harris shot, uh, did I just lose it? I just lost it here. I, I mean, thirty same percent on more attempts, so. I don't know. I I think that there's something to be said for um oh, I just lost it here. There it is. Uh 36.2% on 6.2. So yeah, I mean identical percentage um you know in a higher volume. I don't know. And a lot of that's coming off the dribble, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh I I think upside can be interpreted in different ways and as much as like I sat here and like really uh, you know, really talk down on on ISO creation for fringe guys. I think it might be like what separates fringe guys from non-fringe guys in, in a way. Your money in the NBA. I don't know how you how you make you earn your roster spot in the NBA if you're picked 45th and are like just hoping for spot up opportunities. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go with six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. 
I see what you mean. Um, I, I still probably lean, you know, Pritchard and, and Riller, or well, Riller for sure because of Riller's finishing abilities. And I don't know. I worry about the playmaking a bit that you're getting, um, or or that you're not getting more so from Harris. But yeah, I mean, you know, he definitely was the focal point of that team. So I don't know. You could see it get a little bit better with with him just being asked to share the ball more or or just getting used to playing off the ball. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's definitely an intriguing project uh, prospect and should be mentioned among the, some of those other guys. I mean, I, I, I like him way more than Pritchard. It, I mean, Pritchard was asked to do a lot of creation, and he wasn't very good at it. Yeah, and the size but, itself, yeah. too. Yeah. he. I mean, like, Harris isn't a point guard. Right, there's some combo guard potential there that you're working with for sure. I mean, um, I I flat out think he's not a like I, I flat out think he's like a wing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably with you because, yeah, I don't know. I guess part of the struggle is what does he do without the ball in his hands? I guess that's just something that needs to develop for him. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, the, I mean, the he wasn't asked to do good. it. Yeah. But then again, like like you said, you could wasn't really asked to defend that much. It, obviously, you like to see it, but so much of the offensive burden was on him that I don't think they're expecting him to be some sort of defensive stalwart. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, what are other guys that, or maybe there was one other I think you had that kind of stood out to you here, right? Yeah, there's only one other guy <clears throat> um, from like a wing forward perspective that I wanted to throw out there because he did crack my top 60, but like just barely. Um, he's sitting right now at 60. I'm, I'm going to look at a little more tape of the guys that I have like 61st to 70th and see, just kind of explore that. But I'm also trying to move Peyton Pritchard out of my 60. I can move him down. Um, I could, I can move Caleb Wesson off my board. I don't know. Um, but right now at 60, just making it on the list is Lamar Stevens. Um, I don't know if you've heard a little bit of hype on this guy. Um, doesn't have a ton of hype, but you know, he, he's been living in that like 60 to 70 to 80 range for a while on a lot of people's boards. And it's the, it's the, it's the size. He's six, eight, like six, nine and a half wingspan. Um, already interested in him. Uh, you know what I mean? Super good athlete, four-year guy from Penn State. Certainly older. Um, <clears throat> it's it's interesting because he's like, I have 59 and 60 as Lamy Genet. Am I saying that right? I've honestly forgot already. Okay, Genet and Stevens are like really similar players. Um, okay. Penn State is not like. By any means, a, a good basketball school, a great basketball school, Cal State Northridge, uh, ditto. Um, forward, 6'8 guys, uh, you know, about 200 pounds, really, really, really strong athletes. Um, you know, really good uh, frame, body, physicality on Stevens, but an older guy who's not a good shooter, like a, just actually, you know, a bad shooter. But if you could ever – like fix that same thing with Janae. If you can turn them into good shooters, then then you've got an NBA player, and I'd be very excited for that. He's just a super super versatile guy. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that whenever you are talking guys with that sort of size, you know, a, a different level would be uh, like a Najee Marshall sort of thing, you know. Guys with that size, with that size that can defend, just have a lot of value in the league. With the idea that you know you can maybe guard what three to three to five, you know, if obviously that would take a lot of things going the right way. But I mean, just that that size in the NBA is just super valuable. So I mean, just looking at that, I, I haven't watched anything on it myself personally, but that in itself adds the value, like you're saying. Yeah, and he's like a pretty well-rounded player, like, you know, decent passer, uh, you know, decent handle. Like, if he just had, like, if you were to just give any player a legit jumper, um, like, he's one of the guys that would take a huge leap forward. Like, I think he could, I mean, he would definitely be drafted. He would be probably, I mean, could be, you know, early second Um if he just had a quality jumper. So like he's probably going undrafted, but that's just, I mean, that's a money G league guy. Like I think this is like a two way guy for sure. Yeah. I mean, is that a guy that you'd want Sacramento to look towards when you're talking some of these later picks like 52? 52, probably not. I, I'm probably like going after Janae and Stevens really hard immediately for my two ways or for my camp invites um, and trying to get them on the G League team, they're probably like number one or number two on my list because especially with what the Kings need and what they don't have even at a G League level is is guys, you know, that size that can guard 3-4. Yeah, I mean, is it almost like Winion Gabriel-esque? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, well, Winion could shoot it. That's the mm-hmm. thing. But um, in terms of the size, for sure, uh, I think it's the same the same theory. And I think they are going after that type of guy. Uh, I think they're like to a degree Justin Jackson. Um, he's certainly more of a ball handler, passer type. But you know, he, they look. I think that what they liked about him was that he's six seven. Yeah, man, I am just sitting here thinking about what my hot take's gonna be. It's time. See, I just don't know how hot this is. Just for reference, remember the heat of my take. I mean, I don't think that it's even that insane. There are people that are like, yeah, that's totally fine take. Uh, It's Jay Scrub over Precious Achua. Um, But it is hot. It is. I mean, like... Is it hot enough to say that, like, Isaac Okoro is for sure one of the three best players in this class? No, that's a garbage. You know that's It's not that hot, right? You know that's bullshit. Get that shit out. (laughs) Heat it up. Heat it up. Man. I don't know where to go here. Um, Hmm. I'll read off a few more here just to... to, uh, Okay, okay inspire you um here we go uh from ball is life underscore cy uh no relation to jalen harris i'm sure Uh, the tweet is jalen harris is the best guard in the draft jalen harris is the best guard in the draft uh from our friend nate miller friend of the pod uh killian tilly uh tilly is uh should should go in the first round 
Um, I don't think that's too which great. I, yeah. I mean, it's mild. That's mild. That's that's what Bryant wishes his hot take was. That's what Bryant's hot take is secretly. Right. But he's afraid to. Like Tyler Bay should be a first rounder. I can go with. Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah, look, I mean, all right, fine. There, that's 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 your, you know, that's a jalapeno. Let's go. Ha- all right, let's all go. right. Tyler Hab- Bay Habanero. will be a better player than Aaron Neesmith. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. It's not as crazy of a gap as you're going here. No, that's it. I mean, it's hot. It is. I, I do not buy, like, everybody saying, like, Neesmith is going to be a passable defender. Like, he has the length for it, but I thought that he was a pretty bad defender. And I, I think that that could totally get you played off the floor. And, yeah, I mean, he's a good shooter, but I'm not sure that he's, like, absolutely elite in this way that, it, like, everybody's penciling him in as. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I, I really buy the defense of Tyler Bay. I'm, I'm, like, actually shocked that Massini doesn't even buy that end of the floor for him at times. Um, I, I think that he's extremely versatile in that way. I think that he could guard force at times. He's a bit smaller there, obviously, and... And yeah, if the shot works out for him, I, I think he could totally be a better prospect than Aaron Neesmith. Uh, yeah. Well, don't say could be. Okay, anyone he, could at be. 12 for the Kings, I'd give me Tyler Bay over Aaron Neesmith. Okay, good take, good take. If you had to pick between the two. That's sufficiently hot. Um, I would like you to tweet it. And okay. uh, number two, I need you to lock that in. So when we do our big board – released on Wednesday morning, day of the draft, lock that up, lock that in. When we go over our big boards, you're going to have Tyler Bay over Aaron Neesmith. Yeah. Sounds Done. good. All right. All right. And I'm all right. Yeah. Neesmith is probably my, my low guy. No, I like it. I, I mean, he's been, he's been sliding for me too. And I, yeah, I, same I, with Sadiq Bay. Those were like the two guys I felt like going into this draft process when we first started that I had yep. picked for Sacramento. And now I'm just like, man, like, I guess like Dallas at 18 or something like that. Yeah. They're just inside my top 20 and like, you know, like RJ Hampton is knock, knock, knocking on that door, uh, trying yeah. to take them over. Yeah, I mean, what do you think of this? We, you know, we haven't – it's been a second. I, I had a lot of things going on, so we were slow to record. Um, what do you what do you make of this Patrick Williams, you know, supposedly having a promise from Detroit or just in general all this Pat Williams hype recently? Uh, I think it's getting a little carried away. I don't – we – you know, when we – we both fell in love with him when he was like consensus 20th type of guy, and we really hyped him up. I think and and like really talked him up at twelve and now he's like blown past us, past and he's like six now, but I don't think he should really be higher than like ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, I I mean like I don't think that you should take him over a Vassell or a Coro or or, or like Halliburton. I I don't know like I don't know I I guess there's situations I see it like Detroit specifically is a team that makes sense. You know, like, they're very early into a rebuild to the point where they're not even, like, in it yet because they still have a Blake Griffin sitting on the roster. Um, So that's, like, a, a spot where it makes sense, where you take the upside swing. But, I mean, like, a is a better upside swing, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a little much for me. But, I don't know. I, I mean, I get it. If he works out, I, I see how it works. But, 
I don't know, total bust potential as well. Yeah, it's a little much. I can get him into my top ten, but like no higher than that. I, I, I so are you buying that he's not there as well? I mean, it's possible. I, I'm not, I'm not like locking him in at six. Yeah, with yeah, uh, I mean, if it, I, I've done mocks recently where it's like, okay, if he is locked at like no later than seven, that kind of changes what what's available a little bit for Sacramento at twelve. Like, yeah, I, I really think there's a real chance that that Vassell ends up falling to twelve. All right, just to revisit this real quick, I wanted to end on that great hot take, but just just to because uh, we haven't talked about the draft for a minute here, especially the Kings area. Say Edwards, Ball, Wiseman, Hayes, Halliburton, Vassell, Okoro, Akongwu are gone. So like, are, are, who is of oh, the remaining? Uh, you know, Denny is gone. Is it Williams? Is Tom gone? There's still that – well, that's the thing. There's still this – say even Williams is gone. Then you've got – you're looking at Toppin, Cole, uh, Tyrese, Kyra. Right. That's still it, that's the worst-case scenario, right? Right, it is. I mean, you have to hope that somebody jumps, right? Like, honestly, at that point, uh, I'm taking Maxi or Poku. And, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that – Poku, I, I probably would fall for mainly because it just, like, proves that Monty McNair is focused on the future, as I think that he totally should be with this roster. Um, and, like, 2021, just just get one of the superstars in 2021. I think that's like, should be the whole game plan for Sacramento right now, and Poku just clearly points to that. Um, and then Maxi, yeah, I mean, I think that it's kind of – comparable him and Lewis and I think that there's a situation where Maxi works with Fox that I don't quite buy with Lewis um, on the defensive end yeah Maxi and Lewis are like I'm not gonna be fired up I think it's fine like I, I I'm 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 on board but I'm not gonna be fired up and I think like Toppin and yeah like Toppin is like if Toppin fell to twelve, it would be a nightmare for me because like yeah. at that point I almost feel like you should, but I'd hate it. I think it's a nightmare with the bag we fit in particular. It's yeah, I, I think Toppin is. I mean, Toppin's the guy that if someone falls and it's Toppin, it's nightmarish. I'm I'd be more. I'd rather have Cole. I'd rather have Poku. I'd rather have Maxi Lewis. Um, oh, yeah. Come. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just I'm praying that one of Onyeka, Vasella, or Coral falls, or or yeah, Halber in. I mean, I, like, look, it, I this is yeah. another hot take. I take Onyeka, but I'll tell you, like straight up, like I'm not really excited about that. I'm not like it, in terms of I think the center to be to reach maximum value. So I just I don't think that's ideal. Um, I don't think it's ideal to take a center, period, honestly, uh, especially in this draft. I don't know. I think that you'd have him around for a really long time. And, again, like rim protection is super valuable in the league, and the Kings to just have none of it at all. Like I I think that it actually would make games easier to watch at times. 
I just think it kills Bagley, like, as a prospect for the Kings. I think you got to just move on. I mean, I don't think you can play the four. I don't think you can defend the four. Because uh, hmm. if you defend the four, you got to defend the three, and it's not going to go well for Bagley. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting because I wonder if, you know, I don't know. Actually, you, you want Onyeka as – is is Bagley the guy that defends the pick and rolls, and then Onyeka's the help side guy? You know what I mean? I don't want to watch that. Yeah, I probably don't either. I don't know. At twelve, though, I think like Onyeka's a pretty good value. I'm with you. I think that I wouldn't be the most excited. I don't know. I probably would. I really like Onyeka as a player, but I see what you're saying with this Bagley fit. It's good value. So is Wiseman, I think, at twelve. But like one hundred percent. But either one is like. I start to immediately like, oh god, how is Wiseman gonna fit with Bagley? I just don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how many, I don't know how many teams have like two cornerstone big men. I, I don't really see it. But yeah, I just would. Ra- I mean, anyway, we'll save this. We, we'll 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 finish off our, you know, we'll we'll do a mock draft with Bryant West coming up Monday morning, and then Wednesday morning our final. Lock it in. Can't get more locked in because the draft is happening that day. Uh, ranks for for the, this class. Yeah, there we go, and we'll have a pretty quick reaction to who Sacramento ends up trading away uh, or picking or or anything like that. And yeah, definitely keep up with the content going on at the Kings Herald and support their Patreon as well. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.